Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. What happened, um, you know, when, why, why did the players uh, part with Mercury and then uh, when they did that one Arista record, I know um, Diamond was part of it. I'm not sure. I don't remember if you were or not. I was. Okay. If you'll see that one Arista record and you look at the cover of that record, you'll notice that Billy Beck is not on that cover, nor am I. And there was only, I don't know, everybody uh, was not on the cover of that particular thing at the time. Was at the, at the time that that happened, you know, we... All three of us, Diamond, Beck, and I, we had all recorded on that record, everybody up. And we'd recorded on it, but there was a a little turmoil going on uh, with um, something about Satch wanting to leave and um, there being some sort of situation between uh, Mercury, some of the, some of the higher-ups, and... Uh, what was going on business-wise is concerned. And, and at that particular time also, um, I was going through a thing with um, a Satch as far as uh, being able to um, actually get my contracts, you know. And uh, because of the fact that I hadn't gotten my contracts for the group, and they, they were actually two years behind, to tell you the truth. And... Uh, Diamond and uh, Beck, they were not happy about it. Sugarfoot was not happy about it because they felt like I was being slighted, you know. And uh, it came, things came down to a point where um, Diamond and Billy Beck said, well, if you're not going to treat Chet right, you're not going to have us to be here to work. And so we basically quit. And in doing so, um, you know, it led to us doing the Shadow albums and what have you. But uh, at that time, you know, there was strife as far as uh, things that we were trying to get done business-wise. And as far as uh, what I believe, you know, the leaders of our situation had in mind for what they wanted to do for the group. Um, it caused us to uh, split there and... Uh, in doing so, um, you know, some of us found, you know, things out about ourselves that basically uh, said, hey, you know, um, we we are worth everything that we think we're worth, you know, as far as this situation is concerned. But, um, 
you know, if, if it's not going to be done equitably and done, you know, properly for everybody that's concerned, then we're not going to be involved with it. And so um, we took a turn and left, you know. But uh, all of this, as far as, you know, the way that these things happened, there was nothing malicious about any of it, you know. Because, you know, a lot of times you hear people say, well, there was creative differences and things like that. And, you know, people didn't want to, you know, so-and-so felt like he, you know, wanted to do something on his own and things like, you know, those kinds of things come up. But, uh, you know, it was nothing ever malicious as far as our, our particular, you know, involvement was concerned. We were just trying to, you know, get what was due and, you know, um, be correct about it. That's about it, you know. Well, from the outside looking in, you know, it was just a, a shame to fans like myself. Um, I felt like, you know, the band should have continued to be at a level that like Earth, Wind & Fire was still being at mm -hmm. and Cool and the Gang the way they came back and mm -hmm. the Commodores mm -hmm. were still big then and, and the Ohio players were like at that level or even a little above and um, I assumed at the time that the label was failing the group. You know, I, I didn't know what was going on, so... Yeah, there were some things going on with the label at the time because there were some folks at Mercury that uh, I think some of the the uh, higher ups in, in our organization really had some some tension with you know, and those things for the most part those particular kinds of things were kept from guys like Beck Diamond and myself and Sugarfoot. And see, all of it came to light. And when it did, you know, uh, uh, there happened to be uh, this situation where, well, I don't know if we're all going to be here for this now, you know, because things don't seem to be right, you know. And uh, with them being like that, um, the fact that uh, some folk were, were thinking that uh, there were individuals who were not doing the rest of the individuals in the band correctly, you know. Um, and basically, it, uh, you know, uh, Scott, I'd say the, the majority of that was about, uh, was really about me. You know, the fact that uh, Chet hadn't gotten his contracts. Uh, he hadn't been uh, put in particular things that he had worked on and what have you. And, um, you know, Diamond and Beck, and Sugarfoot said, no, this is not correct, and we won't stand for this, you know. And it being that way, you know, we uh, we parted there for a little bit, you know. But everybody had, you know, everybody realized that the biggest thing that ever having, happened to any of us was the Ohio players, you know. The best thing that ever happened to us was the Ohio players. Now, you know, the Ohio players, they're history and, and what have you goes back a long way and there are individuals who started in that particular group and what have you and people who came through that group who didn't see anything that we saw you know as far as fame fortune or any of that you know did you also were you also involved uh with FASO? um just as a friend, I didn't do anything as far as, you know, their recording or anything like that. But it, at, at one particular time, Faisal was going through a thing with their, I guess, 
then manager who was Clarence Satchel, and uh, they rebelled. And when they did that, Satchel had Diamond, Billy, and me go into the studio and do some recording that was for Faisal. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, you know, as far as anything actually, you know, being something that became of a, a, a note or anything like that, no, we never did, you know, because Faisal, they had their particular trajectory, and uh, we had ours, you know. Well, I was looking through your, your credits, and I saw you listed also for Jar of the Ground by Junie. Is that something? That yep. You yep. And, you know, uh, Scott, it's funny. I couldn't tell you what that song sounds like to save my soul. It's good. It's a good song. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what it sounds like. All I know is that when we did it, we did it in Cincinnati, Ohio. And that was uh, late 70s, early 80s, maybe, somewhere in there. That's about it. <laughs> um. So the Ohio players did continue on with Sugar and with some other guys and yeah, on Boardwalk Records. And um, did you ever like check in on them, or what was the relationship like at that point? You know, at that particular time, we were doing Shadow, uh -huh. and uh, uh, Sugarfoot, and I think they, they, uh, the Ohio players at that particular time did something with uh, this guy. I think his name was uh, Dimples. Richard Dimplesfield, yeah. Yeah, 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 Dimplesfield. They did a couple of albums with him. And, um, you know, we were we were so involved in Shadow until it was a situation where we just said, well, we're doing this particular thing, uh, the best of luck to everybody, you know. Yeah. And so as time wore on, you know, what happened uh, with you? I mean, at some point... The Ohio players came back, and you guys got back together. And but, how did that kind of like ebb and flow and come together after? Um, you know, at the particular time when when things like actually, we had to uh, abandon the shadow um, because we had, we had fulfilled our three three album uh, contract with Electra, and it just so happened that at the end of that and. Uh, when we had done Shadows in the Street, I happened to be out one night running my dog and fell and broke my hand. And that, you know, that just did it for that, you know, for a guitar player to, to break his left hand, you know, and I did a good job of it too. <laughs> and so during that particular time, I'm convalescing, you know, trying to get heal up and everything. And, uh, Diamond and I started producing with the Troutmans, with Roger Troutman and that that uh, uh, family. And at that time, Sugarfoot was over at the Troutmans doing some stuff because the stuff that they had done with the Ohio players, you know, they they uh, scuttled that, let that go. And uh, Billy Beck was at the Troutmans also because Billy was involved in uh, doing. Shirley Murdoch stuff, you know, and so Diamond and I 
uh, were hired to be producers. And we produced uh, some of the acts that uh, uh, the Troutmans had. And we also wrote and produced some of the songs that were on the Sugar Kiss album. And while we were there, we were saying, you know, we, we ought to probably put the players back together. So Diamond, Sugarfoot, and myself decided that we were going to, you know, try to put this thing back together. So we got uh, my uh, cousin to play bass for us. His name is Darwin Dorch. He plays with us now. I didn't know he was your cousin. Yeah, he's my cousin. And uh, the four of us, you know, started playing, you know, and uh, we got Nooks, Ronald Nooks, to play keyboard and Kumba to do uh, the uh, percussion. So we started from that situation there, being at the Troutmans doing the uh, Sugar Kiss album. And at the time, we couldn't call ourselves the Ohio Players. So we called ourselves the Players Band. And we worked for a while, and, you know, we kept working and, and trying to pull things together and what happened. And eventually, that turned into a situation where Billy Beck had been out for a while. And Beck, we all got back together again, and we did a record called The Back Album. And so from that particular situation... Uh, um, Bible you know, Life we, was on there. Yep, yeah, Bible Life, uh-huh. Yeah, we um, it's just brought it up to what it is now for the most part. I mean, we haven't recorded a uh, a studio album actually since then. We did a live out album called Old School that we did down here in Atlanta, and uh, that was the only thing that we had actually recorded that got produced and, and marketed, you know, after we had gotten back together. It's like so, inter, uh, Intersound label, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah there's some good live <laughs> tracks on there. I like those. Yeah, we well had, had a lot of fun doing that, man. But, you know, we did it down here in Atlanta at the Fox Theater. And at the particular time, the horn section that we used uh, was Paul Schaefer's. You know, world world's most dangerous bands. Yeah. Those horns, they were called the Uptown Horns, and we used them on, on the session that we did, and had a lot of fun doing it. You know, that that back album. Um, I know you guys did some shows. I saw the uh, concert at the Strand in Redondo Beach. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I do. Yes, I was there at that, and um, actually, I talked to Sugar and some of the guys after. Um, but um, you know, I just I was hating that you guys didn't have horns at that show. Yeah, we didn't have horns during that particular time. You know, there there was a few years where we didn't have horns, and we kept saying we got to get a horn section, and we found a horn section in the Chicago Storm. Uh, these guys, actually, these guys. When they started playing for us, they were Bernie Mac's, part of Bernie Mac's band. Hmm. You know, people didn't know that Bernie Mac had a, a show that used to be on HBO back uh, shortly after, you know, he started to become successful called Midnight Mac. And in this band, he had a horn section. There was five of these guys. 
And these guys heard the, um, we were doing a show in Chicago at a place called the Parkwood uh, Theater or something like that. And uh, these guys had heard our live show at uh, Old School Live at, in Atlanta. And these guys learned that show the night that we were going to do this show at the Parkwood. Actually, the day of, they came to our sound check. They did the sound check with us perfectly. That night, they did the show with us at Parkwood. And from that point on, we had them as our horn section. Now, they have had people come and go because there's only three of them now. And actually, only one of the guys who was in that particular horn section is still with us, you know. But uh, these guys are absolutely fabulous, you know, these three guys that we have now, you know. Got to have the horns, Chet. Got to have them. That, that was part of what it was about, you know. Even when we were kids, you know, and we were o Ohio Players fans, it just so happens that in the Majestics, two of the guys – we had three horns at that particular time, too. But two of the guys were definitely Ohio Players fans also, you know. And so um, we knew that having horns, having a full band really, you know, made what this situation was about, you know, because there's bands that don't have horns and they sound great. But right. this situation was about having a horn section along with the funk and the singing, you know. Yeah, like, well, Cameo, for example, they had a whole horn section originally, then they got rid of them, and they made that transition well for whatever reason. Using synthesizers for them seemed to work, but the Ohio mm -hmm. players, it's just mm -hmm. different. You need, yeah. you need the horns. Yeah. I think it's just a different kind of music, you know? Just a different kind of music, even though they, you know, to, uh, did their best, and they were good at it, you know, to be funksters, you know? Um. So through the years, you know, we lost several of the original guys. Um, was it a little bittersweet? Uh, you know, I don't know if that's the right term, but did you, you have mixed emotions? Like, you know, when somebody, you know, how do you feel about, well, did you have a relationship with Satch when he passed on and, and that kind of thing? Actually, you know, like I said, we were, we, on this particular side of it, we were never uh, malicious about anything. We still had a relationship, but it wasn't like it was, you know, when we were uh, all in the band together. Because when we were in the band, everybody saw each other, you know. We were basically like, uh, you could call it, uh, we had a, a clique, you know, amongst ourselves, you know, in, in Dayton, Ohio. You know, if, if you uh, happen to be part of this particular clique, this Ohio Players clique, that's who you ran with, you know, and uh, we were like that. But at the time, say, for instance, when when uh, uh, Satch passed away, you know, uh, um, it wasn't like we were like just uh, everyday boys or anything like that. But we were still 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 friends, you know, all the way up until, you know, the time that uh, Marshall was the last one that passed away. He passed away a couple of years ago, you know, but uh, I um I didn't have a chance to uh you know attend any services or anything because I don't know if if he was still in Ohio or Texas at the time. I was down here in Atlanta, you know. Seeing those guys um pass on though, 
Has, do you feel like that's made you and the other guys like Diamond and, and um, Billy just realize that much more, you know, how much you carry forth this important legacy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's about, you know, uh, keeping this thing alive for it as long as it will live. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that the music is going to outlive us, you know. And that's a good thing, you know, because if you can do something that, you know, as they say, leave some sort of legacy, you know, that's a good thing. So, uh, but the uh, camaraderie and the friendship, you know, it, it definitely made that tighter. You know, like I said, out of all of the people in the Ohio players, Diamond and I have probably been together longer than anybody else, you know. And I know you did your, your own project a few years back, uh, the uh, C-Dub project uh, record. And oh, wow. You, you, you heard about that, huh? <laughs> All right. Yeah. 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 How would you feel about how that came out, and what were you, what was your hopes for that? You know, we, we wanted uh, a friend of mine, Harry McLeod. He and I did, basically did that. You know, we had help from from uh, a few other guys like Diamond and Billy. You know, they played on a few things, but basically Harry McLeod and myself did just about all of that. I did all of the singing on it, you know, uh, lead and background, I, I did all of that. But uh, I, you know, I really wanted, when we started doing this stuff, I really wanted to get Beck and Diamond involved because there's a particular, uh, uh, Thing about the way that they play and the way we play together that, uh, uh, you know, translates into something real beautiful. And uh, some of the songs that, that are on the C-Dub project that Diamond and Billy Becker playing on, when they first heard them, they sounded a certain way. After they played on them, they went to a whole nother level, you know, and it was like, that's what I've been talking about, you know, that kind of stuff there. But, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, still involved in in making music, you know, just like uh, Beck and the other guys, you know, still involved in it. Um, that C-Dub project is funny, you know, it it it, uh, it 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 did a few things, you know, it it let us know that it's possible to be able to do something and at least enter into the charts in a certain way and uh, get a little recognition. But, you know, uh, how things are, it takes a lot of money to move things, you know. And this was a project that was basically done um, out of pocket here, you know. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm sort of proud of it, you know, because it, 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 it let me know that, you know, it's possible if you put your mind to it that you can do some things and... Uh, they sound good. The one thing that I was most uh, proud of about doing that C-Dub project is that for every review that we got on that, there was never anything about, man, the mix sucks. There was never anything, <laughs> there was never anything like that, you know. It was always about, you know, it sounds good, you know, the production values and everything were up, and that's basically what we were trying to do, you know, now. As you get older, some of your talent may, you know, go by the wayside and what have you. And some of, you know, the things that you could do when you were 25 don't happen anymore at 50. But, <laughs> but um, 
I'm most proud of that, you know. Well, sometimes things get better, though, you know. Sometimes, sometimes they do. Yeah. Like the wine. Yeah, sometimes they do. You know, I can say that my uh, uh, that my knowledge and understanding of how to put music together definitely got better, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, playing with the, uh, the players and what have you and the things that we used to do in the studio back in the day, you know, some of that stuff, and we still use those particular values and, and, and concepts and, and what have you to this very day, you know, as far as making music. I want to mention a few tracks on that that I particularly enjoy and see how you feel about them. Uh, Someday, Sunday, uh, Sunday. Someday, Sunday, yeah. Funky yeah. with the voice box, a little bit of that. Yep, yep, yep. The first time I'd ever done that, you know. <laughs> yeah. First that was fun, and uh, tell me is quite is a jam. Yeah, tell me. Harry McLeod really loved tell me because he said it reminded him of the uh, sort of operatic thing that the Funkadelic used to do. You know, when when Funkadelic and uh, Parliament used to sing and, and you know do the things, it was sort of like that. So like, yeah, like a knee deep or something like that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Ride was a definite roller coaster kind of throwback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, one thing I, I tell Harry about the way we, uh, re we recorded that was that even though it's computer and electronica, as they called it, we played everything. We played, you know, every particular thing. And just like we did back uh, and the day when we were recording up at Paragon Studios, we played the track all the way through. Mm. You know, we we start, and when we got to the end of the track, that's when it was over. And, you know, if it needed some editing and stuff like that, we'd go back and edit. But basically, it was live playing on what they call electronica. You know, we'd have to have a... a um, a drum track that was set down for us, but when it came to playing, you know, the instruments and singing, it was basically live, you know. And that, you know, that's sort of where we are, you know, as far as musicians and, you know, guys that love music and what have you. Uh, I hate, you know, right now that, that the world is in the situation that it's in because, you know, live music is something that's almost like, hey, we used to hear about that, you know. Yeah, unless you're trying to do it like we're talking right now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but you have a lot of acoustic guitar on that, too. I'm thinking maybe a throwback to the Mickey Mouse uh, guitar. <laughs> now, I can tell you something as far as acoustic guitar and what have you. My friend Harry McLeod. He played most of the acoustic guitar because I told him, I said, Harry, you, you know, we've been friends the two of us, we have been friends since we were in kindergarten. Hmm. Now, here we are, gray-haired old men. <laughs> but, but we have been friends since then. And he plays, he plays good guitar, as a matter of fact. I'm his teacher, you know. I, 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 you know, Harry says from time to time that I taught him how to play guitar. I said, no, you could play. I just showed you a thing or two, you know. But he's the guy that's playing most of the acoustic guitar on those things. You know? well, prop, props to him for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite Ohio Players album or track? Uh, shucks, it's probably Heaven Must Be Like This. Because, you know, just because of the way it makes me feel. 
you know i know you know they 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 have charged me with being the guy who sings sugarfoot's parts and what have you and uh i've been the guy that they they used to call me the utility man because if something went down and it was about singing and playing they said well we know chet can do it you know and so i've been charged with that as far as sugarfoot's but i always say i am not sugarfoot i will never be sugarfoot i'm not trying to be sugarfoot but i will try to do him justice you know and that song right there is one that uh does something for my soul you know it does something for my soul and i think it did something for for sugars and billy beck and diamond and the rest of the players when they first recorded it you know i loved you know just another element that was so great about the band is letting those songs run longer you know yeah yeah absolutely man you know it's it's it's, it's a funny thing now you know how uh, i don't i'm really not into the way they do music anymore because for a while there you know you could buy an album or a cd or whatever it was at the time and there'd only be one song on the thing that had 12 songs on it you know be one song i can remember the first time that i bought chicago transit authority man i played it both albums just continuously wore the needle out because you know there was concept from the from the very beginning to the end, you know? And so things like that I miss, you know, when it comes to like, well, you know, you have to make your records uh, be within that three minute format so they can hit, you know, the programmer's uh, uh, timetable and stuff like that. And it's like, man, they used to make records. We used to make records that was seven, eight, nine minutes long, you know? One side, of an album would only have one or two songs on it, you know, stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, well, Skin Tight was, I think, um, six yeah. tracks. Yeah. 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 Um, so before the pandemic hit, how would you describe shows currently for the Ohio players? If when we come back from this, hopefully you guys can get out again. And what, what would people expect to see and hear? Oh, I can tell you, Scott, uh, before this, before this situation happened, I, you know, I've been having a great time, and I think the band has been having had been having a great time too because most of our shows, you know, um, I mean, they were hitting at some of the best we've ever done, you know, as far as uh, uh, sound, you know, uh, uh, execution, as far as the musicians and uh, you know the uh, crowd response and stuff like that, you know. We did um, the Taste of uh, L.A. about, I think it was about two or three years ago. I got a picture on my phone of this thing, and we were on the street. I forget what street it was, but there was a drone shot that was taken above the stage of the audience. And as far as you can see in that picture, on that street, people as far as you could see and it had a great show that day you know outside la it had to be close to 90 degrees or something like that but man i mean people loved it and like i mentioned that thing about you know the hollywood bowl that made a great show but but right now the way 
I can I can say before the pandemic hit that uh, the Ohio players were probably hitting on all cylinders, and you know, really burning jet fuel, uh, <laughs> you know. high, 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 high octane. Yep. Uh, uh -huh. Well, and you guys came out with that track reset a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. What What are the prospects for an, an album or more music? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, actually, we do have other music that we recorded along with that uh, 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 reset. And, uh, you know, things uh, happen to spiral into what they have spiraled into uh, right now. It caused us not to be able to uh, uh, get through recording everything. But we do have maybe, uh, maybe six or seven other tracks. You know, the flip side of reset was called We Can Work It Out, you know. And I think that was a great song there, you know. But yeah, we we had you know we had uh, uh, expectations of uh, releasing an album, and we were going to call the album Reset, and it's still possible, you know, because you know how it is as far as the song is concerned. You may have heard it ten years ago, but the world hasn't heard it yet, so it could be brand new to them. Long as it's, long as your your instrumentation and stuff doesn't sound dated, and if it does sound dated, make sure it's good. You know, yeah. well, I thought, you know, that sound was more Ohio players than when you guys did back, you know? Yeah, it was, you know, and when we did back, we had some uh, some influence from the uh, guy that owned the record company at the particular time. His name was Chip Wilson, and he uh, he basically sort of did what was starting to happen to the group at Mercury as far as people outside of the group saying that they wanted to put in their input into what we were recording, you know, and they felt like, well, since I have money interest in this and controlling money, then this is the way things should be. And it's like, no, no, we have to record who we are. We have to do what it is that we know how to do. You know, I know during that back album, we had one heck of a time with a, a back and forth between Chip and the band about Vibe Alive of all songs. <laughs> that particular song, we had a heck of a back and forth about that. But uh, Reset was a little bit more back to what we were doing more so than the back album. Yeah, know? so it was so great to hear yeah. that. And I just yeah. hope we can hear more. Yeah. yeah. Well, some of these other songs that you know we recorded with that are like that. You know, they are like that. And that was our intent, you know, when we did it, because it was like, hey, shucks, you know, when we did the back album, we didn't have a horn section. You know, we have a horn section, and we've had these guys since actually 1996. So there's some good continuity right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, what about? You know, I've always felt, I've always had a chip on my shoulder, you know, because I love the band so much, um, but I don't feel like they've ever gotten enough credit. And I think that has carried through to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame situation. How, how do you feel about that? And what would you like to see happen? Well, um, hopefully one, one day, you know, we can be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I do feel that uh, 
some of the um, credit and recognition has not been given to the band for whatever reason. I, I really couldn't say um, because I do know that this band has influenced a generation or two of musicians and, you know, rap, things like that. You know, they've used, uh, sampled our music to death, you know, and uh, some of the uh, 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 recognition that could have been given to the band is probably yet to be, yet to come, I think, you know. I do believe that, you know, mankind will one day say, you know, these guys weren't too bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and be you know, and, and at least say, well, you know, they gave it, we gave it all we had, you know, and that's usually all we got. You we give it all we got, you know. Well, a group like you said is so influential, and to different groups of musicians, you know, like the rappers, of course, and of mm -hmm. course soul and funk, but also mm -hmm. even rock. You know, you have guys like Red Hot Chili Peppers and Soundgarden, you know, and people like that covering Ohio players' songs like FOP and. Yeah, roller coaster and all that. I mean, they influenced even you know rock bands. Yeah, you know some. It's funny some of the younger uh, uh, audience that we have now. I mean, do love roller coaster. They say, "Oh, that's a Chili Pepper song." And we say, "Yeah, it's theirs." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it kills me, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. But life, is, life has been good, Scott, you know, with the ups and downs. I cannot complain, you know. Uh, it would be wrong for me to complain, you know. It wouldn't be right because life has been good, even though I think there's some things that uh, I still need to happen for me. Uh, a lot has, you know. Um, I'm yeah. so glad. A lot has, you know. I'm so glad for it too, you know, because you've brought so much more uh, musical joy to all of us and uh, continue to do so. So, I mean, thank you so much for all you've given us, Chet. Hey, thanks. Thanks for being there, man. <laughs> thanks, because if it wasn't for people like you, they wouldn't even know, you know, some of this stuff that we're talking about now. You're going to let them know, you know, and they'll see, you know, they'll have a better understanding as to what it was, you know. Now, Anything else, all they have to do is go put on the music. It'll speak for itself, you know. Absolutely. What's yeah. the best way for people you think to keep up with the group nowadays? Well, um, actually, nowadays, you know, there's a few things that's going on. Um, first of all, we could, we, we're happy for uh, airplay, you know, because if nobody, you know, if, if you're out of sight, you're out of mind, you're dead, you know. And so, first of all, we can say that we're thankful for airplay. But airplay is has come to this band as a result of having something worthy of being played, you know. And so, uh, as far as them keeping up with us, if they can, you know, just stay on that. You know, we do have a, 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 um, an initiative going right now as far as there's a, a group of people out of Dayton that have put up a, uh, a petition for the Ohio players to uh, 
be inducted into the Hall of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we're looking, you know, uh, for that as far as, you know, on Facebook and social media, as far as, you know, getting signatures to say that, you know, we stand behind the fact that these guys should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we'll see how that goes, you know. And we ha we've had a couple things happen good for us, man. As a matter of fact, in Dayton, Ohio, and it just so happens this this is a family thing. My brother and a few other people have started. Well, they've gotten, um, I guess a a a, a, a I forget what to call it, but anyway, they're going to name a a street, the Ohio Players Way, in Dayton, Ohio, uh, it, and it's basically uh, on a street that uh, our studio used to be on in Dayton, Ohio. So come come either uh, this spring or this fall, they'll, you know, go through all of the uh, ceremonial things and what have you and uh, do that for us, you know. But that's a local thing when it comes, you know. But still, there's quite a few people in Dayton who've had, you know, streets and boulevards and ways and, you know, things named after them also. So, But uh, this will be the first for something like this, you know. That's great. That's great. And uh, is there an intersection with Sinister Way? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm going to tell my brother about that. That's something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> or Shadow and the Ohio Players intersect, you know? Yeah, yeah. It intersect right there at Sinister Way. Absolutely. <laughs> uh -huh. Hey, been so much fun talking to you, Chad. Thank you so much. And uh, continued uh, good health and carrying forth with the uh, music and just, you know, all that you do, man. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks, man. You know, I, uh, I'm i going to repeat something that, that uh, Billy said. We got to meet one day, you know. <laughs> we got to meet, man, because you keep this alive for us, you know, and we appreciate that. Most definitely do. Yeah, we appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the Media Services section at FunkinStuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at ScottG at FunkinStuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.